0: Welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where the events of history are examined. The discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world?
1: My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the 353rd show of ROI, and our guest for today's show is Rebecca Wiley, marketing director for Iowa Masonic, who's going to be talking about Iowa Masonic and the William Bettendorf Museum. Our history buffs for today's show are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Sap And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker.
0: This is the opening segment of the show, which is called History is Local. And today we'll be talking about Iowa Masonic and the William Bettendorf Museum with Rebecca Wiley, Marketing Director at the Iowa Masonic. Welcome to the show, Rebecca.
2: Hello, thank you for having me today.
0: Um, if you could give our listeners, um, I always love this word, a synopsis, but if you <laughs> give an idea, a general idea, uh, about the history of the uh, Bettendorf Museum and the Iowa Masonic, please. Oh,
2: sure. So it's actually Iowa Masonic Health Facilities, and it is the William Bettendorf Mansion. The William Bettendorf Mansion was built in 1909 by William Bettendorf. The physical address is 2500 Grant Street. He purchased 33 acres of property that sits on the bluffs high above the Mississippi River, overlooking the river. When he built that in 1909, he purchased the 33 acres and built the mansion for $150,000, finished it in 1910. Everything was all handcrafted um, by hand. He had his logs brought in, still in log form, and the crafters did everything on site there by hand. It was finished in 1910. Mr. Bettendorf actually passed away just a few weeks before it was finished, so he never even got to live there. Yes. Of course. (laughs) Of course. So it's unfortunate. Um, His wife and her son from a previous marriage actually lived there for just under two years, and then it was too much for them. So they moved out and back into Bettendorf, which at the time the town was named Gillespie. And um, they moved back into town, and the mansion actually sat empty until 1925 when her stepson came back and opened the mansion and was going to live there himself and decided it was too much. And so then in 1925, he actually sold it to the Masons of okay. Iowa.
0: I would like to be one of those individuals to realize that a mansion is just too much. Just to do it, you know, a couple. <laughs> just yes. to know what it feels <laughs> yeah. like. Just yes. To, you know, I have a, could you tell our listeners how uh, William Bettendorf made his wealth?
2: Yes. He was an entrepreneur for the railroad, him and his brother, Joseph, Bettendorf, they, their basic claim to fame was they invented the car for the railroad, or excuse me, the wheels for the railroad car. That was what they really? are known for. They had many, many patents, but that is what they are known for. That was basically their claim to fame.
1: Where was he from originally then?
2: Um, overseas in Germany. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes.
1: Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what the mansion is like? give us sort of a a auditory walking tour?
2: Sure. So the mansion was originally built with 22 rooms, fireplace in every room. It is now down to 15 rooms because when the Masons purchased it in 1925, they took off the two ends of the mansion for whatever reason. Unfortunately, we don't know at this time what that was for. Probably because of upkeep and and maintenance I would assume. Um, The downstairs level is all currently offices, but all those offices are kept in their original condition so we have the formal dining room we have the formal sitting room we have the open space where um, would be they would go to play like billiards and drink their brandy the staircase that is in the middle of the mansion that was erected first and the mansion was built around it that staircase is the widest staircase in the Quad Cities and then when you go upstairs, half of the house was to be the Bettendorf side of the house with his master bedroom and an extra couple rooms. On the other side was to be the guest side and the staff side. Every room is composed of three rooms. Upstairs, you have a sitting room, a sleeping room, and a full bathroom. So there's full bathrooms in every room. Each bathroom has a tub that is over half a ton, an original, an original <laughs> sink, and stool.
1: Wow. Do we, have a, uh, do we have a third floor, like a ballroom or something yes. along those lines? <laughs>
2: yes. I'm glad you asked about that. Uh-huh. So that is in the attic, which is a full attic that is the length and the width of the mansion, all concrete, and the rafters are still exposed and um the reason that it's all concrete is because when he had it built that was to where his ballroom was to be so the concrete would keep it quiet for the second floor and the main floor
0: so on a third floor you got a massive slab of concrete mm-hmm. to keep the people quiet, quiet from partying i just why didn't the gods give me money i just i you I, know
1: <laughs> and then- i i asked that all the time
2: Also in the mansion, there is six feet of concrete between each floor in the mansion as well.
1: For the same reason.
2: Mm -hmm, For the same reason. And all the woodwork is original, the sconces that hang on the wall, the chandeliers that hang from the ceiling.
0: I'm going to ask you, and and if you can't answer it, I totally get it. Um, What was the value of the Bettendorf family when they decided to build this little shack that they thought would show a person or two in it? I mean... um, And were they under the category of, let's say, I'm not saying robber parents, which I think is overused, but were they financially that Stephen, it sounds like it's just money that I, you can't, anybody can imagine at that time.
2: Yes. Um, It would be comparable to millions today. Um, I don't know exactly what, what the family was worth at the time. I know that after he passed away, the Bettendorf family took very good care of his wife, Elizabeth, um, she was very involved with the family still and her son. And then his brother continued the railroad business, which was Joseph Mansion. And his mansion is what is Rivermont Collegiate now.
1: Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, so did we do we have a basement? Do we have laundry services <laughs> and all those sorts of things?
2: So in the mansion itself, there is a basement um, that currently houses older stuff and a few records because adjacent to the mansion is Iowa Masonic Health Facilities which is the nursing home which was originally built in 1927 as a sanitarium for Masons and their wives and then in the 1970s switched to the nursing home and it's been the nursing center ever since but there is for 25 plus years there has been no Masonic affiliation required So basically we have 22 acres of campus that overlook the Mississippi. We have independent living. We have the nursing center that has a secured memory unit. And then we also have the mansion that sits up there. Okay,
0: so back to the grounds then. I'm assuming that because Mr. Bettendorf had money that was there a stable or you know for for animals and of course the cars are coming mm-hmm. on the scene yeah uh, where are they on the proximity or they're probably level now or are they still there
2: so they're level and what stands in their place is the current garage that we have for the facility now okay our director of maintenance he lives on grounds and so mm-hmm. his garage is um, nicely equipped for the mansion and the nursing center and that is on the north side of the property so we still own the masons still own the 22 acres of property
1: okay do we have any sense of how many servants were employed full-time so you know how big are the servants quarters how many people were in a in a room because i've looked at a number of of mansions and and you know you could have anywhere from three to four people servants in a room sharing a a sink or whatever it was and so forth so do we have any sense of that or is that lost
2: unfortunately that was lost i don't know how many servants he actually employed i do know that the local historian that we partner with at one time had told me that in 1910 it cost about a thousand dollars a day back then to employ the servants to keep up the grounds and take care of the family
1: right jeez uh, again john you're you're having that conversation about money <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I mean, I'm sure it's love and caring that brought all right. this about wow, so we this we have about a minute and a half, so we can I'll throw this question out and and if we can't finish it, we'll pick it up um, when the family walked away when they when they kind of left it, did they leave? china and furniture and all of those kinds of things there and have they stayed or at over the years have did the the masonics simply auction them off or get rid of them because they were getting old how much of that is still around
2: what i was told was there are that we know for sure there are four pieces of furniture on the second level on the south side of the mansion that were mr bettendorf's only four pieces. One of them is a bench, two of them are a chair, and then there's a small chair with a music box that is built in underneath that still works when you turn the turn the key.
3: Really?
0: Yes. That's cool.
2: And the craftsmanship on that is um, an Austria accent, and those are the only four pieces that we know for sure were his. The rest have been donations from over the years that have, are replicas of the time period of the 1920s.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University 106.1
4: FM. KALA 88.5 FM, the radio station with the most diversity in the Quad City region. Jazz, blues, R&B, hip-hop, Spanish and Hispanic programming, gospel, new rock, oldies, news, and shows addressing local community issues. And the world's best in entertainment and news from Public Radio International. Here's something different on KALA 88.5 FM, the most diverse radio station in the Quad City region.
0: Welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world?
1: My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Rebecca Wiley, Marketing Director for Iowa Masonic, and we're talking about Iowa Masonic and the William Bettendorf Mansion. Our history buffs for today's show are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. Terry, why don't you start us off?
5: Well, Rebecca, I wanted to ask a little bit more about the interior of the mansion. And I went online and I found a few photos of the grand staircase and the fo- foyer. And I was struck how similar it reminded me of the Dray House in Chicago. And so I was curious. Um, I had taken a tour of that in Chicago. Will will the mansion itself, the Bettendorf Mansion, be open for tours? And what are some things, highlights of things that we might see? Sure. The mansion is currently open for tours. You would actually call and
2: schedule that with myself. Um, The phone number is 563-359-9171 and um, I could take you through and I would give you a complete tour of the entire mansion except for the attic at this time. Um, But the grand staircase you would see, you would see all of the rooms that we still currently have downstairs and upstairs as well. Um, You would see all of the original, you know, sconces that hang, the original um, fireplaces in every room and all of the original chandeliers that are also there as well.
1: All right, Ed.
3: Thanks, Jay. Uh, Rebecca, you mentioned at some point, uh, I believe back in the 20s when the Masons acquired the property, uh, that it began to be used as a sanitarium. And that's a term that in its time was used and covered a lot of things. Was this, uh, do people go there to recover from a specific illness, or was this just kind of when you had nowhere else to go and you weren't as healthy as you should be? Um, can you flesh that out a little bit for us?
2: sure it was the latter and it at that time it was for masons and their families only so as they aged and they didn't have anybody to take care of them then they were able to go to the sanitarium
0: okay it's funny you should um i mean it was a great question with that sanitarium has such a different understanding today negative connotation right very much insane Um, asylum right so the question i'm asking along with that is because you have individuals there who are part of the masons and they're recuperating all the above is there some kind of history or journal about those who took part in the sanitarium or is that was something too private with the organization that i'm sure was under kudos and no one has ever looked into i'm just curious
2: that's not something that i have any knowledge about um and it's not something that is talked about very frequently
1: okay okay um i'm interested again in the structure do we know who the how long it took to to build the um the mansion and i know you talked about you know logs coming in and and craftsmen working on site um We're used to thinking of buildings going up in a matter of days or weeks. I suspect this might have been a little bit more times taking uh, process. Do we have any sense?
2: So he broke ground in 1909 and finished in 1910 so Whoa. just about a not year bad. not yeah. bad for back then yeah doing everything by hand um my understanding is he had a lot of craftsmen and majority of them worked on the railroad which was just down below the hill so when they weren't busy down there mm-hmm. they came up the hill and worked on the house
1: so very local
2: mm-hmm. yes
1: um maybe i missed it somewhere do we do we know who the architect is and, and what he'd done before? prior because i can't imagine this is anybody's first project
2: up until about mm, almost a year ago, we did not know who the architect was. I had never heard the name mentioned. And I had two women come through, and they turned out to be the granddaughters of the architect. The architect is Charles R. Spink, S-P-I-N-K. I'm not sure what else he has done because I have not looked him up.
1: Okay. That's interesting. So you said that you had a, a historian who's working on that. It would be you know, fascinating to know how that process works is that somebody that's employed by the masonic by masonic iowa is it somebody that that you're tapping into through the i don't know davenport historical society how, how did that happen
2: that uh, partnership was actually in place before I started, and that was under a different administrator, and um, the gentleman's name is John Brasser, Jr., and he had come in before and spoken about the different things about the mansion and gotten a kind of a brief tour, and then I reached out to him in 2018 and asked him to come and speak at our very first public event, which was entitled Christmas in the Mansion, and where we had the entire mansion decorated and open to the public. Wow. Wow. Terry, you got a question?
5: Uh, yes, I'm still fascinated by the architecture because, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I said, the few pictures that I saw online, it just so reminded me of the Dre house museum or mansion. That's like I said, a museum as well, and the intricacy, like the wood carvings they had acorns carved into the woodwork and I wonder if that's something similar that we would see at the Bettendorf Mansion. And then in addition to that um, the serving quarters were interesting because they were so well hidden and that was the whole purpose. You didn't mm-hmm. see where the servants lived. They were kind of like the silent little helpers that <laughs> walked around and tidied everything up for the occupants. And so when you went up the grand uh, staircase, there were actually, s- it looked like paneling on that floor before you went up to the next level, but actually they were doors into the servants' quarters that was like another whole section behind the rest of the house. So I'm curious if you found any evidence of that or perhaps they were in those wings that were demolished. My
2: understanding is that um, several years ago they actually closed the servants' quarters. They were open until then and where the entrance was, was down the hallway that leads up to the attic steps You take a left, and you would go up those steps to the attic. And if you were to take a right, you would go into the servants' quarters. That is all um, walled off now, so there's nothing left for us to see.
1: Interesting. Do we have any sense of why that 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 seems like a fairly extreme move to make? Why you know was that just pure economics? I don't want to have to worry about heating half a house.
2: (laughs) Could be. I guess it would probably be along the same lines that the masons took off the two wings when they first bought it they also took away the sprawling fountain that was out front and that's no longer there um i would imagine it would just be because of the upkeep
0: okay so the question when you're dissembling this immensely incredible creation were there sales that you know that were known In the community that like okay here I'm just talking theoretically we've got this fantastic fountain that we're not going to use anymore were they auctioned off and did they have any noted because I mean uh, money usually attracts other money and especially with a building that's exquisite at this I mean uh, but there's no record of having a massive auction the reason I my my father-in-law used to be a very good antique dealer and when those sales went down it, the good ones just took off like wildfire, so we have no record of that yet
2: no um unfortunately, not everything is so um there we don't know much, we know some things, but we don't know much um we can't I can't find any um like blueprints for the mansion I can't really? find yep um so I, I just don't know kind of it seems like things were kind of lost in translation somewhere in there um the, the Masons, though, are very open to having the mansion and the nursing center open for people to come in and see. Um, and we want to give back to the community by doing that, so. Great,
0: great. Ed, you got another question? Well,
3: um, having been through Biltmore, uh, <laughs> which, of course, we're not really comparing which, the two here.
1: Look, look, Biltmore was just a summer cottage, remember? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. It was, yeah, just, it was just a summer a little, cottage. Yeah. Just
3: wanted my little piece of heaven here in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind it was 60,000 acres. but
0: Minor details, um, minor details. Um,
3: uh, one of the things that I found really interesting about Biltmore was the uh, heating system and the communication system um Mm -hmm. what what was that like originally do you have a sense of that what that was like in the original mansion
2: so the original mansion still has the original boiler system attached to it it is actually sits underneath my office which was the main dining room when the mansion was first built Uh, the boiler system works extremely well and it still heats the nursing center today It still works that well. My office, we usually run an air conditioning unit in the window in there, because it is so hot, because that boiler system works so well.
3: And it was probably originally coal-fired?
2: Yes. I do believe so. Mm -hmm.
3: And was the size of this room?
2: I have never seen it. Oh, oh, And then on the servant side and the guest side of the house, there is still on the walls the buttons that you would press to call for the staff that look like doorbells.
0: Really. So, when you guys with the newer employees, there, do you sit there and say, um, over at the servants' quarters, you because you know this is the hierarchy <laughs> here. Yeah, the, oh. there's your spot over there. If, <laughs> if they were, maybe that's why they walled them off. <laughs>
1: yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> we <laughs> wanted don't want to take to, that temptation yeah, away. Exactly, exactly. Isolate somebody over in the yeah, exactly. Uh, You've been here
0: for two days. Your seat's over there. <laughs> no. Uh,
1: <laughs> it, it would be interesting, John. I suspect your your suspicion is correct. Um, I have a 1900 house in Rock Island, but we have 1890s doors, Mm -hmm. much fancier than what the original doors would have been. We know that the doors came local, came from Rock Island, so they were down in what was called Old Chicago at that point. It was one of those mansions that had, you know, something had happened, but we can't track down how that you know how that purchase was made obviously it was but but nobody's got receipts or whatever um i'm I'm, again interested in your historian it seems to me that there's got to be stories floating around out there it would be interesting has anybody to your knowledge tried to backtrack tried to go back and find out who some of the servants were tried to find out to, to reach out to the Bettendorf family and see if there are diaries or things like that floating around. Um, because stuff like that, it doesn't always vanish, but usually it's hidden. You know, it's, it's somewhere somebody doesn't even know. Um, we've had the German American Museum on a number of times, and they are routinely, some, somebody walks in with a box full of junk from the attic and it turns out that there's some diary of, of somebody that they're aware of. So it, it, are you trying to do those kinds of things to do that kind of outreach and maybe talk to? Um, because that would it seems to me that as a person who's about to retire, that would be a pretty fun job <laughs> to, to be that sleuth. And his wife won't let him stay at home. So th- <laughs> right. there's a connection here. I just here. think that would be a fascinating <laughs> thing to go hunting and see if, what, what you could find.
2: There's a a book at the library called The Bettendorf Brothers, and I have not actually taken the time to read that, but it is out there and it talks about both William and um, Joseph. As far as finding any old diaries or anything like that, we have not come across anything, but... Again, the mansion was kind of used as a, as a catch-all, and we had to go through a lot of stuff. A lot of it was um, employee records or nursing facility records. Sure. Um, I'm sure that there's, there's stuff out there that we just haven't come across yet.
1: Okay, sure. Um, I think I'm gonna steal the last question before, um, and John will have one, but, so we've talked a lot about the mansion I feel like I need to give you at least a chance to talk to us about the, the nursing home facility and, and how it's sort of, you know, you said you're still using the, the mansion's boiler to, to heat. Can you just give us about a minute and a half and talk us through how many people you have, what kinds of facilities you're offering, those and kinds of things. And it
0: ties into the question, why is it relevant in today's world? Sure it So does. you can do that and explain to our listeners why it's relevant.
2: Absolutely, Iowa Masonic Health Facilities is a nursing center that is comprised of 79 beds. Those 79 beds are what we call dually certified, meaning they accept Medicare payment and Medicaid payment so you can come in and be doing short-term skilled nursing therapy there like let's say you had a surgery you're rehabbing to get better to go back home or you can be someone who comes in and lives with us long term because you're not able to live on your own or your family's not able to take care of you and you need that 24 7 nursing oversight you can be paying privately and then once you exhaust all of your assets and you flip over to what we call medicaid people used to call that Title 19. Same thing. Um, you still stay in the same room that you were in. You still um, have everything that you had before because all of our beds are duly certified. A lot of nursing facilities in the area, not all of their beds are duly certified. So if you were in there and you were paying privately and you ran out of your assets, they would physically move you from one wing to... To another, to another way, way. yes. Mm-hmm. That's the one of the great things about Iowa Masonic is that we are smaller, so we were able to duly certify each bed so that we could take advantage of that for all of our residents. Um, staff longevity at Iowa Masonic is huge. Our director of nursing has been there for 17 years. Our director of dietary has been there for 26. Her wow. assistant has been there for 31. The social worker has been there for 24. The RN admissions coordinator has been there for 25. Nursing staff, some of them have been there for 30 plus. So Iowa Masonic is a wonderful, wonderful family-like atmosphere to work. And we really just pride ourselves on the care that we are known for in the community. When I took this position, one of my jobs was to educate the community about Iowa Masonic and the mansion because not a lot was known. And I think that we've done really well with that. And now in the community, um, people know exactly what we are and the type of care that we give. All
1: right. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KLA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1
4: FM. This program, the award-winning Relevant or Irrelevant, is heard Friday evenings at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on KALA HD2 or 106.1 FM in the Quad City area. You can listen over the air or anywhere via TuneIn.com. To hear this program and many other archived editions at any time, visit SoundCloud.com. Search for username KALA Radio. There you'll find relevant or Irrelevant, and many other productions produced at the St. Ambrose University Communications Center.
0: This concludes the 353rd show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet, and the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed
1: by Mark Zaptel. My name is John Keeley. And my name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Rebecca Wiley, Marketing Director for Iowa Masonic, who talked to us about Iowa Masonic and the William Bettendorf Mansion. The history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. This is ROI, relevant or irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA.
0: We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Pasutu proverb, Hozo Pula Nala. Peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.